Section six of the Elements of Botany. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle. The Elements of Botany by William Ruschenberger. Lesson four, part two. Varieties of the Corolla. Corollas are monopetalous when they are formed of a single petal and polypetalous when they consist of several petals. Monopetalous corollas are either regular or irregular. The principal forms of regular monopetalous corollas are the following. Tubular, when the tube is long as in the lily. Campanulate, or bell-shaped. Example, the campanula. Infundibular, or funnel-shaped, as in the flower of the tobacco. Infundibular, from the Latin, infundibulum, a funnel. Cyathus form, or cup-shaped, cyathiform, from the Latin, cyathus, a drinking cup. It differs from the infundibular corolla in having its tube, and of course its border, less spreading, and from the campanulate in not having its tube appear as if scooped out at the base. Hypocrateriform, or salver-shaped, when the tube is long and expanded into a flat limb at the throat or entrance into the corolla, as in the primrose. Hypocrateriform, from the Greek, upo, under, crater, cup, and forme, shape, salver-shaped. The form of a corolla consisting of a tube suddenly expanded into a flat border. Rotate, or wheel-shaped, when the tube is very short and the limb expanded and almost flat. Urseolate, or pitcher-shaped, when it is dilated towards the base and contracted towards the orifice, as in several heaths, etc., scutellate or porringer-shaped, when it is expanded and slightly concave, like a basin. The following are the principal forms of irregular monopetalous corollas. Bilabiate, when it is more or less elongated, dilated, and open towards the top, and terminated by two lips, one superior and the other inferior. Personate, or in the form of a mask, when the tube is elongated and the throat dilated and closed above the approximation of the limb, which consists of two unequal lips. Anomalous, when its form is so irregular that it cannot be referred to any of the ordinary types. The following are the principal forms of regular polypetalous corollas. Cruciform, from the Latin crus, a cross. When it is composed of four petals with an elongated claw, arranged in the form of a cross, as in cresses. The four petals have the form of a St. Andrew's cross. The lower part is the unguis, or claw, and the upper part is the tolamen, or border, each petal having the form of a battledore. The claw is somewhat longer than the border. Rosaceous. When the petals from three to five or more have a very short claw, and are expanded as in the simple rose. Cariophilaceous. From the Latin cariophilus, the garden pink. When the petals, five in number, have very long claws, concealed by the calyx, as in the pink. The following are the principal forms of the irregular polypetalous corollas, papillonaceous, from the Latin papillo, a butterfly. When the petals, five in number, have each a peculiar form, the two lower ones ordinarily united to each other, forming what is called the carina or keel, the two lateral ones are generally expanded and called wings and the superior one ordinarily erect, various in form, and covered by the other four, previous to the blowing of the flower, and called the banner, or standard, or vexillium, as in the pea, acacia, etc. 
Anomalous. When petals are irregular without having the papillonous form as in the violet. Nectary. The word nectary, from nectar, the food of the gods, is of very general application, and is used to express some peculiar modifications in the sepals or petals, by which they assume an unusual form, but more especially when there is some alteration of the structure by which they are wholly or partially converted into secreting organs and exude a saccharine glutinous juice. Estivation. As the condition of the leaf whilst yet in bud is termed its vernation, so the manner in which several parts of the flower lie folded in the flower bud is termed their estivation. Certain flowers, the tulip for example, instead of having a double perianth, have only a single envelope, and we are not certain whether it is a calyx or corolla. In general, it seems to bear a close resemblance in structure to the calyx, but it sometimes presents the bright colors of corollas. It is sometimes analogous to the first of these floral envelopes, and sometimes analogous to the second, and at other times, again, it is entirely formed by the union of the two, which have become perfectly alike. Be it as it may, we give the name of perigonium from the Greek peri, around, and genomai, I grow, to this single envelope, which in other respects may be double or simple and flowers that possess this mode of organization are termed monochlamydias from the greek monos one klemos cloak and idios resemblance apparently having but one covering or envelope essential parts of flowers the essential parts of a flower occupy its center as has been stated above and although they are the most important they are very far from being the most apparent to the eye these organs are of two kinds one kind is destined to produce the ovules or germs and the other to cause their fecundation the first bears the name of pistil and the second is called stamen most flowers are provided both with a pistil and with stamens and consequently possess all the organs necessary for the production and fecundation of germs they are distinguished by the name of hermaphrodite flowers others on the contrary possess only stamens or pistil alone and are named unisexual the plants that bear these incomplete flowers are termed monaceous from the greek monos single oikos a house when the two kinds of flowers those with pistils and those with stamens are developed on the same plant but when these different flowers grow on separate plants some producing flowers with stamens others bearing flowers with pistils only they are named diaceous from the greek dis two and oikos house those which have flowers provided with all the organs are named polygamous plants. Stamens. The stamens are situate between the corolla and the pistil. They are generally in form of filaments, threads, and in no manner resemble the leaves in their use. Nevertheless, they may be considered as analogous to leaves, because under certain circumstances they are changed into petals. In double flowers, for example, it is by the stamens being changed into petals that the corolla in place of being simple as in the natural or uncultivated state presents a greater or less number of whorls the number of stamens varies much in different plants certain flowers which are on this account named monandrous from the greek monos single and anor stamen have but one stamen other flowers called diandrous triandrous tetraandrous pentandrous etc have two three four five or more stamens in general their number is equal to that of the petals or is a multiple of the petals sometimes they are all alike and at other times they are not of the same size when the same flower always has two short and two long stamens it is named didonymus from the greek dis twice and dunamis power
when the whole number of stamens is six and four of them are longer than the other two the plant is termed tetradynamous from the greek tetris four and duonymus power these organs form one or more whorls or verticels situate within the corolla and in general those which form the external whorl or the only verticel when there is but one regularly alternate with the petals so that each stamen corresponds with one of the divisions of the corolla each stamen consists of three parts namely the filament the anther and the pollen the filament of a stamen is a support analogous to the petiole of the leaves and the claw of the petals and is generally cylindrical and slender sometimes it is so short that it seems to be wanting and in this case the stamen is said to be sessile generally however it is very long the filaments arise from the torus or receptacle that is from the superior extremity of the pedicel of the flower between the corolla and the pistil generally they are distinct from each other and entirely free but sometimes they are joined together and in this way form one or more bodies to which we give the name of androphore from the greek andros the genitive of aner man anther and phora i support anther bearer in certain plants such as the mallows this cohesion takes place between the filaments of all the stamens so that the androphore constitutes a tube of greater or less length in the interior of which the pistil is lodged at other times the stamens are united in two or more bundles fasciculi and then form two or more androphores and there are flowers in which the anthers cohere to each other although the filaments are distinct the point where the stamens cease to adhere to the neighboring parts varies sometimes they arise below the portion of the pistil called the ovary they are then termed hypogynous from the greek upo under and guine woman or pistil at other times these organs as well as the petals seem to arise at a greater or less distance above the calyx and are then termed perigynous from the greek peri around and guine pistil at other times again the portion of the pedicel which bears them is prolonged in the same way between the calyx and the ovary but adheres to the latter organ as well as to the calyx and in this instance the stamens seem to rise above the ovary and are named epigynous from the greek epi upon and guine woman or pistil in consequence of these differences the stamens may have four different and fixed positions first upon the internal parites of the tube of the corolla when it is monopetalous as in the lilac second upon the ovary which takes place when the corolla is epipetalous as in the umbelliferous plants third beneath the ovary which happens when the corolla is hypopetalous as in the poppy the cruciferae the vinae etc fourth upon the calyx which always occurs when the calyx bears the petals as in the rose the corolla always has the same position as the stamens in all monopetalous corollas the stamens are attached to the corolla and in all polypetalous flowers the stamens are not attached to the corolla anther the anther is the most essential part of the stamen and occupies its summit its color is almost always yellow and it may be compared to the limb of a very small leaf that has become thickened narrow and folded upon itself in its interior the pollen is formed and it ordinarily consists of two small membranous sacs named cells or lodges which are joined together back to back or by a portion of their superior extremity of the filament called the connective sometimes there is but one of these cells which seems to be owing to the abortion of one of these pouches or to the bifurcation of the filament and at other times there are four there are some also that are divided internally by partitions 
the form and mode of insertion of the anthers vary sometimes these organs are elongated at other times rounded cordiform etc sometimes they adhere to the filament for a great part of their length at other times they are attached by one of their extremities only and at other times again they are fixed at their middle upon the very extremity of the filament pollen the pollen is a yellow dust that is enclosed in the cells of the anther which by falling upon the pistil causes the development of germs and the formation of seeds it is composed of extremely small grains the surface of which is sometimes smooth sometimes covered by asperities and their interior is filled with extremely fine dust the envelope of these grains of pollen is composed of two membranes and when they come to be moistened the internal vesicle swells tears the external membrane and escapes forming species of tubes of greater or less length pistil the pistil or organ that produces the germ occupies the centre of the flower and is surrounded by the stamens by the perianth the portion of the torus or extremity of the pedicel where it springs sometimes takes its rise from the origin of other parts of the flower so as to form for this organ a special support name a gymnophore from the greek gumnos naked and forio i support the pistil is composed of appendages named carpels which are somewhat analogous to leaves but they are folded inwards and bear on their edges the ovules destined to become the seeds in each carpel we distinguish three parts the ovary the style and the stigma the ovary occupies the lower part and encloses the cavity or cell in which the germs are developed the style is a superior prolongation of the ovary which is however much less and is often even as slender as a thread it varies extremely in length and the stigma is the terminal portion of the pistil which surmounts the style or when this latter organ is wanting it rests on the ovary and is generally composed of a soft and to the appearance glandular tissue the number of carpels varies much sometimes there is only one sometimes two or three or even more and as we have seen in the case of sepals and petals these organs cohere more or less completely to each other when the carpels remain entirely separate from each other they constitute several distinct pistils and when they are united into one mass they form what is ordinarily called a single pistil sometimes this coherence takes place through the whole length of the carpels sometimes in the ovaries without the styles participating so that the single mass formed by the ovaries and ordinarily called a single ovary is surmounted by two or more styles and when the styles are united the stigmas of the different carpels may be separate or they may cohere the number of cells we find in an ovary when we cut through the lower part of the pistil depends upon the number of carpels that are united together sometimes there is but one at other times two three four five or even more its general form is commonly ovid egg-shaped finally the cell of each carpel encloses one or more ovules which by being developed become seeds the relations of the ovary with other parts of the flower vary and furnish important characters for the classification of plants sometimes the base of this organ corresponds to the point at which both the stamens and perianth are inserted so that the ovary is free at the bottom of the flower it is then termed a super ovary at other times it is united entirely around the tube of the perianth so as to form one body with the calyx and is only free at its upper part in this case the stamens and petals seem to rise above the ovary and it is said to be infra below or adherent this latter arrangement carries with it the coherence of the sepals to each other therefore 
Whenever the ovary is infra, the calyx is necessarily monosepalous. End of section six.